0: It's the way that this film is is shot,
1: is why it's special, jaw dropping the whole time I'm watching that thing. That's six and a half minutes long of a battle Mm. scene in one shot.
2: The pain of humanity not being able to reproduce is in his face and you know he drinks he smokes he loses his shoes
0: (laughs) my eyes are popping out in the middle of the scene because it's being filmed from the middle inside the car and you couldn't get out of that car in your head you can't leave that scene and Mm. i was this is like a stressful movie to watch in that really good way like Mm. where you're just engaged and you really want everyone to survive so yeah I, i love it it's really really great
3: Hey everyone, and welcome to this episode of Flixwatch Podcast. I'm joined by Paul. Hello. Wayne. Hey there. And Helen. Hello. And we're going to be talking about children of men.
2: Hello, everyone. Welcome to FlixWatcher podcast. Joining us remotely today, we have Paul and Wayne. If you would like to say hello and tell our listeners a little bit more about who you do. Oh, no, who you are. <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you do? <laughs> There's another whole show we do about
1: that. <laughs> In Wayne's case, it will be here a long time.
0: Shut up. Sorry. Um, Paul, please go ahead. But you are Paul.
1: Yes, I am Paul. He is Wayne. We are an Australian podcast. We count down movie interviews. But I picked this film today, Children of Men, which I'm very excited to talk about because I have a, a bad experience with one of your country people watching this film and I'm, I'm here to set the
0: record straight. Oh God, I remember this story. All right. Yeah, cool. Uh, yes, I'm Wayne, everyone. I specialize in off-color humor and annoying Paul on our show. Not in that order. You specialize. It sounds like you get paid for that
3: specifically or is that just something you've kind of declared on Twitter? Oh, uh, I definitely don't get paid for it.
0: But... <laughs> what are you gonna do
3: <laughs> well tell us guys a bit about uh first of all you said you're australian we are actually recording live you guys are in perth can you explain uh, a bit about countdown podcast and well i guess it's kind of in the title but um why you started <laughs> it and a bit more about it
1: uh we started because i needed an excuse to hang out with wayne who's my long-term best friend and then i'd had a baby and so i wasn't let but out of with the me. house no not with wayne <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> not yet and so that was five and a half years ago and we thought we might get through five or 10 episodes and we've now had 285 countdowns and a whole bunch of views around that so we've been around a long time we've enjoyed it people actually listen to us which amazes us it was all their employed to get free movies basically <laughs> and we get to go to free films and go to premieres of films which is really exciting
3: oh amazing so how do you pick the uh the countdowns you do is it out of a hat or is it um listener generated what's what's the score there
0: Bit of both, really. There are just painful conversations that happen <laughs> every week. Where it's like, what do we do next? How about this one? No, that's stupid. How are we going to do that? No, no, no. And it's just back and forth. So we are basically trying to. It's basically just a kind of a comedy show that is. No, you he know, he thinks it's a comedy. I show. think it's a comedy show. I think it's a legitimate
1: it. film review show, yeah, I don't and, think and obviously with Anne somewhere in the middle.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'm a big fan of the show. I listen, I've listened quite well, and and I do like lists and a countdown. So it's episode, thank you. The- fulfills that and obviously myself and Alan big film fans so that's all in there in one big in one big one big podcast so guys if you're listening do head to countdown film podcast it's a really good fun um so but with as you said Paul we're talking about children of Men today which mm. is your choice yes apart Ooh. from the countryman aspect with the re- revenge on the on the, I guess someone from Britain UK <laughs> yeah. London yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> um can you explain why you chose it uh and the synopsis in a minute or less and then tell us why who you want to seek vengeance on Okay, so Children of
1: Men is a dystopian sci-fi thriller set not that far in the future where the world has stopped being fertile and we have not had children. And as the film opens, the youngest person in the world dies, murdered at age 18 and a bit. And as you can imagine, the world has disintegrated into terribleness. Great Britain, the UK has risen above this and managed to keep going. And so everyone's trying to break into Great Britain and are treated as... Basically, criminals and put in prisons and exterminated and all the rest of it. And meanwhile, a woman falls pregnant and has to be guided to a human science project. A bunch of people who might actually be able to replicate why she's fallen pregnant. And it falls to Clive Owen as a jaded, cynical, alcoholic individual who hates the world to get her there.
3: So, why did you? Why did you choose it?
2: And you know, we can't actually carry out any revenge behalf on you. So. <laughs> We might know
3: people.
1: Uh, revenge is a, t- a tad harsh, but I I went with a, a a young woman I was dating at the time to see this, like fourteen years ago, and I was in, in, absolutely enthralled, amazed by this film. So here's my obviously I picked it for my like, despite the dark tones to it. Walked out of there because Paul doesn't know how to date women. But go on. And she said, "Well, that was a bit naff, wasn't it?" And I broke up with her, so that was oh, the end of that. And she was great, was she? Yes. That was a bit. Do
0: you know where she was from, Paul? I don't know. You okay, you're not going to see it though, are you?
1: <laughs> so I We've had I a good opportunity to talk with some learned and uh,
3: appreciative film connoisseurs such as yourselves and Wayne. <laughs> I mean, there are some films which are not good date films. This will be one of them. Uh, one of our previous guests went to see see the film Shame just after getting engaged. Oh, man. <laughs> so in spite, in spite of this breakup paul you like this film tell us a bit more about it what what kind of draw you to draw you to it? and where where did you kind of sit with the alfonso Cuarón and yes. the rest of his films uh, i love
1: Al- alfonso Cuarón. i think this is the best of his films however i right. love gravity i think gravity is fantastic i also i like roma for the technical aspects of it, how beautiful roma is and the like the story is not so impressive for me roma in particular but what he brings to the screen in his capacity to put the viewer right in the middle of what's going on with these incredibly long and complicated takes is something that I will forever appreciate. And on our show, we love a good one take, and this film has a couple of the absolute best. <laughs> so that alone yep. enough to get me going. The subject matter after that, also fantastic. I like dark, dystopian-type films.
0: What about yourself, though, Wayne? Uh, Paul is constantly suckling at the penis of this movie because he's always loved it right and so I actually do love it I remember the first time I saw it I was like yeah this is amazing I actually forgot a lot about it and I actually forgot how good the film is watched it again yeah. yesterday uh, yeah couldn't look away and like you said it's the way that this film is, is shot is why it's special you do feel like one person running next to him or whatever um, and just again the one takes are actually kind of I didn't realize. I forgot there were so many. There's like three, four five, in, in there, and each of them is eye popping. So, um, I just gotta respect the, the, the effort. I, yeah. I love it. It's really, really great. It's a little dark for my liking, <laughs> you know. I'm a little bit of a Peter Pan, little like happy shit stuff guy. But other than that, fantastic.
3: What did you, you say on Quaron? Should we, should we, should we reel off his uh, his filmography and where he's going to go to next as mm-hmm. a as a as a for listeners? So. Let's start, I guess, we'll start with Itamamatan Bien. This is probably where most people might have heard him. And then uh, Harry Potter and Pris- Prisoner of Azkaban, Children of Men, Gravity and Roma. And he's then like- he's going to do The Witches next. Uh, oh, no, he's, he's working on The Witches next. He's not He's not producing that, but yeah.
2: I was Royal surprised, Dogs, Witch- surprised how, many, how few films he'd made in sort of yeah. a long time, time span. He's been making <clears> films since sort of nineteen, the early 90s. Uh, and he's only really made sort of 10 films, which for someone who is that making making films um i think he's got a couple of um spanish named ones that um are on his uh, wikipedia is starting with but i was really surprised that he'd made that few films um yeah. so this was probably would have been the first film that i would have known him from possibly i Oh, not
3: even, not even harry potter i
1: know well, you don't well, you've not I seen any harry I potter
2: don't do, i do do harry potter so i'd <laughs> have passed me by that one
1: right there with you helen we haven't we don't do harry potter either yeah
3: i try so we <laughs> Sorry,
2: sorry.
3: What what happened with when you say you try Wayne
0: what well, happened I, I went to 4 because I think that was the one I think 4 That's was the one are trying isn't it It is I really busted <laughs> ass on it and um it's I don't know what I look I don't mind doing it again but it's such a, it's a kids film and it gets to be like a uh, you know adult person film but I don't know if it just quite grabbed me not sure really but yeah not quite um, So in those in those few films Alan, which
3: what's your stand out Um so
2: so this definitely Roma uh, and then you know the spectacle of of gravity, and then I think what else has he done? I couldn't remember. It's, it's I yeah, I enjoyed that, but I've not seen. I haven't rewatched that one, so that's um, that's probably kind of it, isn't it? What else has he done?
3: Well, there's some great expectations. with not seeing The Little Princess and Solo t- con tu pareja, um, but I've yeah, I think all those those five recent ones from from since the turn of the century are all fantastic. I'm not I'm not big Harry Potter fan, but that's the one that does stand out in my in my mind. Um,
2: and then he's done pro- producer work, hasn't he, as well? So he, yeah, on, he runs Labyrinth as well. So he's
3: yeah, it, it does stuff with the, with the other uh, three amigos from New Mexico City. So Wayne, sorry, your your thoughts on you know Quaron's ilk? Oh,
2: uh, I I
0: do like his stuff. I my two favorites from him are definitely this one and probably Gravity. Um, I I think I remember with Gravity actually like having this emotional change when i was watching it in the film in the cinema because it was just um i was out in space and i was scared in space because i was in that film so that's what yeah. like he like, like, puts you right in there he's probably as good as ridley scott used to be at doing that so <laughs> 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 So um, uh, yeah, <laughs> but, uh, this is definitely probably this is probably my favorite of his. If you're talking about pure achievement,
3: I think this is one. This is probably one that works best on the small screen. Um, gravity. I can't. I don't want to watch that again on on a on a T V. TV. I, if I go if I watch it again, it has to be on the, the, as big a screen as possible. I saw it in IMAX, and I've mm-hmm. had friends who, after me raving about it, they were like, "Okay, yeah, we, we hide it on DVD." It's like, "Oh no, you're not. <laughs> it. You're not." You're not <laughs> enjoy it, have you? And they're like, it's nonsense, but it's like, yeah, it doesn't, the story doesn't really hang together. But in the whole enthrallment of being there and
2: the soundscape and everything. Space space flying at your face and things.
3: Absolutely. Mm. Um, But this, I think this one works really well on the small screen. Um, We've we've had Rome on here as well before, and that scored well. Everything else wise, apart from the small screen score, because yeah. I just I think everyone just like we wanted wanted to have seen the, that on the big screen. Um, Corona, as you talked about, his, his, his how he sets up the shots, typically works with Shivo, who's won a couple of Academy Awards for cinematography, uh, and rome is different than that. There that Quaron actually directs. He did the cinematography himself. And so it's just, it just has all the skills, but this one is, is working with Emmanuel Lubezki, Shivo, and it, the, the shots in this are astonishing. Do you want to, anyone want to take us through their, their favorite one, uh, favorite shot or two, the long shots that he it, that they do in this one? For sure. I mean, it's, mm. it's, there's two, so I'll just pick one and maybe someone else can
1: talk about the other one. Cause I'm sure they are the mm. standouts, but for me, the one towards the end of the film, where obviously we are talking spoilers when he's trying to get, Key down to the boat, which the I think they're Eastern European people, uh, they're helping them out as part of this resistance. And then they get set upon by um, the fish, the fishes, and she gets captured and taken away. And they're going to murder him and Clive Allen's character. I've forgotten his name off the top of my head. Why have I drawn a blank? Theo, Uh, Theo, Theo. Theo, thank you. Yeah, they're going to murder Theo. I was going to
3: say Crowley, Jack (laughs) (laughs) Crowley.
1: What a bad name for a kid. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, the government comes along or the army comes along and, and a battle breaks out. And so this, this is all one shot. And then it follows him chasing after Key. And he sees them going to this building where they set up shop to have a, a sort of last stand battle with the army. And he manages to get inside despite the two warring factions. Still one shot. Get up. It's just absolutely incredible. Get upstairs, get her away, and takes a bullet. And then, then the shot cuts after that. It's just. Uh, jaw dropping the whole time mm. I'm watching that thing. That's six and a half minutes long of a battle mm. scene in one and, uh, shot.
0: How long does it take to set up again oh. after one take? You know, Ugh. can you imagine being that extra who yes, got- spiked the camera at the six minute mark?
3: <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> or the continuity, <laughs> gone. Yeah, go uh, got tanks going off there. You got mm. proper full on explosions and that that kind of setup. If you have to have explosions for a th- for a ten second shot, that reset is is enormous. Anyways, but yeah. to have that, like you say. To you go 90% of the way through it and then someone spiked the camera, yeah. <laughs> you know, like,
0: <laughs> yeah. cut, cut, uh, reset, come back tomorrow. Sorry. That had to have sorry. been like months long filming a, a sequence like that, surely. All the planning, yeah, that would have had yeah, to go with into everything. it. Yeah, mm-hmm. God. Yeah, amazing. All oh,
3: yourself, yeah. Have, do you have another one shot in there?
2: Um, well, I, I would have talked about that one, but it's interesting with that one because um, obviously the the blood gets splattered onto the camera. Yeah. And I, they actually said at some point, I think Coral uh, actually said cut, but the, they didn't hear him and they carried on rolling and they eventually used that or something. But yeah, it did take like... That's cool. I wanted that. Yeah. So the, the blood thing isn't a planned thing, apparently, oh. according oh, to right. IMDb.
3: The, the blood thing, the blood disc. Because I rewound that because I was like, the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, that's quite cool, and thought it was a part of the thing. Mm-hmm. And so I, I rewound it to work out when the blood disappears. It kind of disappears when it goes into the building. Like one drop kind of dissolves, and then the other one kind of like the three or four splatters kind of slowly
0: dissolve as you go through. Right. So um, that's a really cool thing. That would have been interesting it, to try and edit around. That's like, oh, what do we do here? That would have been a really cool like problem to have solved like this in the editing room. <laughs> it would have been, yeah. <laughs> Does not that. I think that one shot cuts away,
3: I noticed, is when, when he sees uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor's character, because there is still a one shot until we first see him again, and mm-hmm. then it cuts into Chi, uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor. And I kind of, I always kind of feel like, oh, it could have gone on a bit longer because I don't think we needed to get a close-up on on him and hit, seeing him being blown away before. It could have carried on and turned around and seen him go back out of the building, I think. I could have gone for <laughs> a minute or two longer. Yeah, it,
1: i think it is another shot afterwards with them walking out it's not anywhere near as yeah. complicated or but you're right There, there is those inserts of luke and then he's yeah, coming luke. back out and that very powerful moment where everybody who sees the baby just stops just stops hmm. and turns around and is stunned so much so that bullets are still firing from outside and some of these extras are being killed not really obviously but uh, characters are being killed yeah. and dropping to the floor and no one's still moving no one's trying to protect themselves that's such a haunting moment, yeah. in, a, in an otherwise amazing film.
0: And I kind of forgot about that moment last. So I was like, "Oh wow, this is actually pretty. Po- this is pretty powerful, mm. nice." Yeah.
3: I guess the other shot is the the car uh, when Julian gets killed. Mm. Um, Wayne, do you want to set us up with that one?
0: Dude, so they're on the road to somewhere and they get ambushed by, the, ambushed by the fishes who put a flaming car in front of the path and they have to basically kind of negotiate around it. But they are then basically set upon by the fishes, smashing them and hitting the car as they're reversing back and forth and trying to get out of there. And, of course, the motorcyclist comes up. Uh, one of them is armed and they fire at the car a couple of times, killing Julian, which I didn't expect, actually, when it happened. And mm. um I'm still my eyes are popping out in the middle of the scene because, you know, I'm like, oh, this whole thing's going. It's it's being filmed from the middle inside the car and you're seeing absolutely everything and all the cues are being hit, obviously. But just uh, it came off so good and you couldn't get out of that car in your head. You can't leave that scene. And mm. I was, it's, this is like a stressful movie to watch in that really good way. Like mm. where you're just engaged and you really want everyone to survive. So yeah, I, I, that, I, that would have been, this is my second favorite shot. This one here. Possibly. I, th- yeah. I think
3: this is probably my favorite one actually, because it's one of the ones at the end of it, when they go out of the car, they actually go out of the car and see it, go to like zoom in on the police officers who, who Luca shot, which is also super dark. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then I was like, Hold on, have they have they been in the car this whole time up until this point? So then I rewound it again, and there's like shit. That's just whole one one big shot. And I love the subtlety of that. It's, it doesn't seem flamboyant, but also it's spectacular. If you, I, I think a lot of people who wouldn't notice, a lot of people who watch this casually wouldn't notice that. Absolutely, but I think people, yeah. And it goes all the way back
1: to when he and uh, Theo and Julian are playing that. That game with the ping pong ball, you know, blowing into each yeah. other's mouth, which has to be CG. I can only assume because mm-hmm. how do they how do they nail that three times over before it all the <laughs> shit hits the fan?
0: That's the thing that stops up the most. Imagine how many times they start. <laughs> it has to be CG.
1: <laughs> so that that's awesome. And then yeah, it's just that rotating camera, which then gets off whatever mount it's on and, and becomes handheld. And that's the other thing. This film is unlike, say gravity where it, it's smooth through most of those yes. one shots this is very much shaky cam mm. almost documentary type footage where right that's putting you right there in the action in these almost like a, a war-torn reporter a war, a war correspondent in whatever nation in the
0: battle streets yeah. bringing you the news good point and yeah. that drab color scheme even in yes. like the war and everything, that's yeah. on purpose even the forest where they're driving in this scene is kind of muted it's, <laughs> like it's not this lovely yeah. forest It's ugh. yeah Sorry, we got off.
1: We moved on there too. No, 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 no,
3: no, it's all good. it's focusing. It's focusing on on the real side of things there, and it does. I I think, say, the camera does make you a part of that. Um, And what Helen and I talk about, um, we talked. Well, I think Helen's a big fan of Julianne Moore. I was going to say, and this is where we see the end of Julianne Moore's character. Helen, do you want to talk about her and also the other the other cast members of note?
2: yeah so julia i love julia more i can watch her in anything Mm. and um it's one of those things when you get kind of a big name star in it which is probably the biggest name star um having them sort of popped off uh like 20 minutes into the film is um you know quite a shock you're like oh okay so you know any anyone can kind of die it's one of these kind of films um she's the only american in this film to note Mm. um everyone else is english and um Clive Owen. So this was probably Clive Owen's sort of peak. We um, yeah. we reviewed Inside Man recently, and we sort of had a little chat about sort of what kind of happened to him because suddenly he was, um, you know, maybe the next Bond, and then he hasn't really made anything other than a TV show recently. But I think he really—he it, holds-
3: it it, it guested it on an episode of Curb.
2: Yeah, so he'd done a bit of TV work, um, not so much film stuff. But I think he's kind of the glue. He sort of holds it together with his kind of dogged. Britishness Mm. and he's kind of like limping throughout the film because he seems to Mm. lose his shoes and you just kind of feel all of his emotions. Obviously his sort of backstory is that he he lost a child as well. So that's another theme that's that's running through it, which is the turning point for when he kind of realizes that it's not actually about the money and doing the, the the mission for him. It's you know keeping humanity alive with this one child. And I just really like him. I like his face. He's got those faces that he can act really well with and you just mm. feel his pain and sort of the sort of the the pain of humanity not being able to reproduce is in his face. And, you know, he drinks, he smokes, he loses his shoes. (laughs) Michael Mm -hmm. Caine.
3: Michael Caine's probably the best well-known actor in that. uh, Do you know more seconds? Yeah. Hell of a cameo though. Really, really good, really powerful just for his two scenes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Tell us about Caine and and the strawberry cough.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's, it's, it's it's great to have, because obviously the film is pretty dark. Um, You know, there is, not much hope, um, and he kind of brings a lot of humor and light and positivity into it, so I, I think it, it's needed and a great wig as well. I don't think that's his real hair, <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. I'm and, and also in this film, um, it's probably one of the earliest appearances of Chiwetel, Ejiofor. four, yes, um, just after Serenity, I think. Hmm. Oh, okay, was it? I've not seen Serenity, yeah, he's um. About and, fine, yeah. And first one I remember seeing was Dirty Pretty Things. I'm not. I can't remember which was which was before that. And also in this film you have Peter Mullen. and he never plays a sym- an empathetic character. <laughs> You're <understand> always. Right. <laughs> yeah, so when yeah. I saw him, I was like, okay, well, he's, he's a wronging. Um, <laughs> Plus he talks to himself in the third person, so you know he's an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> but I think the cast is on point here. I, this is my favourite Clive Owen film. I don't. I don't really get him as an actor. I think he's. he's he's good in the right situations, but I think that if he was Bond, I think it would have been a a really hard to swallow Bond. I agree. Um, But in this, in this, he's exactly the right person for this role. I think, um, I just can't get on with
0: his dryness of delivery typically, but this is absolutely fine. (laughs) when he, when he sort of like wanders into the woods after, after Julian dies and just like crumbles next to that tree, God, I felt like just actual sadness. Like, like you said, it's right there. I'm like, Jesus, like stopped on for a while. So, yeah. Yeah, he, I think you're
1: right. There's something about him and he has done stuff more recently, but he's, he's sort of been relegated to being the bad guy behind the scenes in lots of things. Like he's the bad guy in Valerian and the City of a Thousand, whatever. Shit. Boy, that sucked. Uh, and he's the bad guy in Gemini Man as well. So <laughs> they are some terrible <laughs> films and he's just obviously he's trading off what used to be but this is I 100% agree with what you said Pete Owen I, I really buy him in this movie and I really, I'm really right there on the journey with him that mm-hmm. moment when he sort of switches from being all about the money and whatever to oh actually this matters and I need to get this woman and, and her unborn child and eventual born child to safety you really believe it so full credit to him and, and to the, all the cast because everybody's good there's not, a, there's
3: not a person in this movie who's bad no I, 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 when you're looking back in this, Helen, was there any, in IMDb, was there any notes about how they rehearsed this or how they how they did this? Because it seems that they must have been banded together for a while to get this in place and make sure everything was tied and to knitted together.
2: Well, interestingly, because it's based on uh, a book, Alfonso Cuaron had never read the book. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's the script is probably written by about five people and apparently Clive Owen had quite a bit of an input in it. So yeah. Yep. Um, I don't know what the, what the, where there's particularly big differences, but obviously the script came to Quran and he just kind of went with it. So um, it's quite interesting in that you would take on a a book like this without having um, read it. So I think the, the, he, he he sort of said that he didn't really, he wasn't really interested in kind of the exposition or kind of setting stuff up. He just wanted to kind of go straight in the story. And he talks a lot about how, um, actually the end of the film is the start of it. And however you sort of take the ending, whether you see it as being sort of positive or negative, is, is kind of how you see the world, which is quite interesting because mm. it, it doesn't give you an ending. You you can choose, you know, how you want to interpret the, the ending like that. So there's just a lot of things going on. And obviously there's a lot of themes like religion. You've got the fishes, obviously a religious thing, and um, key jokes about that um, she's a virgin as well.
3: <laughs> refugee, refugee crisis.
2: Yeah, and, um, yeah. Um, you know, there's there's loads of lovely things going on. One thing that I I do really enjoy is I obviously living in London, really enjoy seeing London on screen. And you know, apart from the fact it's not that dirty, it's probably pretty, pretty close. <laughs> I think, Um although. People don't really drink Carling, just in case you're like, no one drinks Carling, it is, it's a big beer. And, um, it's like
3: you guys, you guys don't drink Carling 4 xd do you? Or Foster's? Foster's, Foster's yeah. Foster's the one I was going to say. You carling nailed it. <laughs>
2: Foster's, yeah. Um, and also, interesting, one of the things that um, – Basically, there there's an animal pretty much in every seed. So Clive Owen, I think, is in every seed apart from one or something crazy. And then, pretty mm. much in every other seed, there is a, a dog or a cat or an animal. So they've obviously yeah. managed to reproduce. So it's not a thing that's wiped out of global fertility. Um, yep, You've noticed that. Cool, still going. There's loads of like cats and things.
3: Yeah, there's a deer, a deer, or some kind of um, antelope type creature in the in the school when it, when he walked in. That was quite startling. That's right. Um, and when you said when um, one of the things that makes me laugh each time I watch this, which has been twice, is Helen and I, we typically record this in Camden, in London. And there's, a, there's, a, there's a, one line says, I'll meet you in Camden. And I'm like, yeah, Camden. Um, Camden doesn't look
0: anything.
3: <laughs> 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 it was in Camden doesn't look at It's still good to mention it specifically the district of London that, they, uh, that we get record. In. Um, before we get into scores, do you see this as a positive ending or a negative ending, guys? Good question, go on.
0: Dude, okay, so only now, Helen, that you said like you, you know, there's an ambiguous sort of ending. Don't I go? Was it? Because I just assumed, and I often get this stuff wrong. But um, I thought he died. He died. No, he died. He died definitely. Sure. Yeah. Oh, but you're left to think: d- is there actually a real place yeah, which can I solve the propagate her? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, geez. You know what? I'm gonna go up. I'm gonna go up. I'm saying that that there is actually one of those places, and she's she's gonna have a bunch of babies. <laughs> <laughs> predictable from
1: Wayne uh, but I actually think that's the way I read it too less so because of your interesting rationale and more so because it chooses to go out over the end credits with sounds of children playing and the like
0: right now I think that was an ironic choice like that that, I mean, because if he's like that music is actually kind of annoying man like well if if you if you you know it's so jaunty that it's like completely out of step on purpose with the tone of that but but there's
1: the sounds of kids
0: playing okay yeah no I I love that I love that sorry Sorry, what did you guys think (laughs)
3: I, well, Helen, you go first.
2: <laughs> you, I mean, for me, I think you have to have to look at it positively, and that the boat is offering hope and a, a new future. Otherwise, oh, I mean, we're peak twenty twenty at the moment. That um, you know, this film doesn't look that dystopian anymore, or in that so it, it, you know, it kind of feels a little bit like this film when when sort of you know twenty seven years from now, you know, London looks a little bit like that now. Anyway. Um, and you know things like *The Handmaid's Tale*, uh, written in what 1984, but it kind of all feels now. So I think you have to take the positive,
3: <laughs> or you'll go mad. I'm going, I'm going on the positive spin, but Yay. you know that she, at, least, at least she saved. I'm not sure what that means for humanity with her specifically, but I, you know, I, she, I, I like to think that her and baby froly Stroke Dylan Stroke, the other name that she's going to come up with, um, are at least safe, and that's that's why I'm 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 going to end before we head to the scores.
1: If there's one TV show that is going to make the whole of the UK feel that little bit better about what's going on in the world at the moment, then it has to be the Great British Bake Off, which is returned to our screens. And if you want to really understand why the dough didn't rise or why the cookie crumbled, then you'll want to hear the Down podcast where my two co-hosts, former contestants Jane Beadle and Howard Middleton, who have been there and done it in the most famous baking tent of all, dissect each and every episode of the new 2020 series. Search the Bake Down wherever you get your podcasts and you'll be sure to find us.
2: Welcome to the FlixWatcher scoring system. All of our scores are out of five, and you may have decimal places if you wish. And uh, we will start with you, please, Paul, with your recommendability.
1: Well, I would recommend this just about anyone, unless you happen to be a girl I was dating 14 years ago.
0: <laughs> and God knows there's a house tonne of those. <laughs> just, 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 uh, I'm and-
2: interested. What did you like, press her as to what she was so unimpressed by?
1: Uh, she said she was bored and it was all a bit too dark. And that's, that's what I want to acknowledge in terms of this might not be for everyone. It, it is a hard going film. It's probably not one you want to sit back and kick back on after a really tough week and put on on a Friday night and enjoy mm. to, to lighten yourself on the way into the weekend. But otherwise I have no hesitation to recommend it to everyone, particularly anybody who enjoys being uh, challenged a little in their film watching. So I'll give it four and a half.
0: A- okay. Um. sorry. That was all right. Sorry, everyone. Um, Yes. My, I also, I'm, I'm a little more, like, on... Because, like, I know Paul loves it, and I know that Paul uh, knows smarter people than me. Um, so, so I think more of those people would get this. I, on the other hand, if I'm talking to, like, a general population and say, here's the thing, it is a little dark, and it is 2020, maybe wait until things are better, because it actually mentions a flu pandemic in this friggin' movie. So I'm like, uh, yeah. yeah, so I'm like, okay, well, you know what? I actually... It is awesome. Anyone who I think will get it is 3.5 is basically my, my score. So I, I will, yeah. I think that's the first time we've taken the exact
3: year and current situation, current affairs into into recommendations. <laughs> right. <that> <laughs> yeah, I would normally recommend it, but also, but this time it's a bleak, it's bleak enough. So maybe wait, wait. three more, three or four more years before <laughs> you watch right. it. I've never heard that before. <laughs> i'm considerate
2: (laughs) i should add like an extra score in a 2020 score Um, 2020 Um, 2020 yeah helen um i really like this film and um i really enjoyed revisiting it and i i think it could have been made over complicated i don't think you need to be particularly smart to to kind of get along with basically you know humanity is struggling and things are going bad, particularly in light of 2020. And um, I mean, I quite like this kind of film anyway. I quite like dark films. It's pretty good. Um, but in, in light of your dating experience, um, for, that, <laughs> for that one group um, that may not enjoy it, and do you find it a bit boring? It's not boring. It's got like a car on fire. Um It's got like loads of stuff happening. It's got oh, all kinds <laughs> of stuff. Um, so I'm going to give it a 4.9.
3: Oh Whoa. yeah, nice. Yeah, I'm going to get 4.5 here. I think it's it's a you suck one. There, <laughs> there are there <laughs> are big caveats, but it's a, it's an astonishing film. I think. Um, as as Paul said, I'm not going to come back at the uh, you know at the end of a hard week and crack open a a, a carling. Put this on. <laughs>
0: uh,
3: it's one of kind of considerate where you Kind of think i have not seen Children and Men for a while, and then three months later, you're like, "Yeah, I've still not seen it for a while." I think, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe next weekend I'll put it on, and then it's one of those kind of films, isn't it? Where it just has to the, the time has to be right, uh, or you know, or someone has to nominate for the podcast you created. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, um, a lot of people, as as, as you said, won't. I think there will be a fair few people who don't take lightly to this, but it's it's worth a watch. But boring, it's not. Boring, it's not. I can't. I can't see the boredom in this. Right from the start, there's an explosion, and you hear about baby, oh. baby Diego, was it, who yep. uh, gets killed. Uh, I love that conversation he has with um, Michael Caine's character about baby Dave Diego being a wanker um, in the car. That's that's hilarious. So there are some moments of levity in this as well. Uh, but yeah, four point five um, repeat viewing score. Look, uh,
1: I've seen it four times now, so that's four times. To- I that like all? Watching it once every Olympics, effectively. So okay. I can't give it a hugely high repeat. Watch score, but that said, if this was on, I would sit and watch it if I stumbled across it because it is something that immediately kind of grabs you. I'm sort of segueing into another score here, but I I really enjoy it, so I'm going to give it a 3.75 rewatchability.
0: Wayne, awesome! Uh, it's a three for repeat viewing, yeah, score for me. Uh, because I've only seen it twice, and as I do agree with you, every time I for the two times I sat down, I was riveted, however uh i'm such a nancy i probably couldn't handle this much like uh dark stuff over and over <laughs> and over so uh so i say it's not especially rewatchable but when you do watch it you, you won't be uh, sorry you spent that time helen
2: so i'm not sure how many times i, I definitely saw it at the cinema um and then have possibly maybe you've seen it since then um yeah it's, it's not going to be one that i'm going to watch regularly but i did enjoy it and enough time had passed that i'd vaguely forgotten what was going on so it mm-hmm. it still kept me engaged so i'm going to go
3: um 3.5 yeah i mean as i said in the in the re- recommendability it's not something if i think about what i'm not going to drop a hat and put it on um but i'm happy to keep on watching it i think i like the olympic cycle there <laughs> uh paul <every> four years <laughs> um so that yeah three i'm gonna go four. small screen score paul
1: yeah, this is probably the hardest one to score for me because I think there is something to, to get out of watching this on the big screen, maybe not sort of gravity levels of amazement.
0: But... I have something to say here, everyone. Paul has the world's giantest biggest TV. <laughs> I've never seen one anywhere near as big as this. It's huge, right? So for you, the small screen is still fucking
1: huge. Yeah, I wouldn't want to watch this on my phone, let's put it that way, but I would absolutely happily watch it on my, as I did this week on my TV screen again, no problem at all. And so I'll go somewhere in the middle and I'll give it a three and a half on a small screen
0: hmm Wayne. uh four i watched this um on my 27 inch um pussy screen i guess you would call it for. <laughs> um and it's um, uh, i it's fine i i actually i like you said you know gravity you probably need to be in a cinema this one i don't think so obviously it would help but i i did love watching it still and i was still enthralled
2: Yeah, it's an interesting one because I obviously enjoyed watching it at the cinema and I'm pretty sure that Alfonso Cuaron would probably like you to watch it at the cinema as it was Mm -hmm. filmed as a film to be enjoyed on the big screen. But it's strangely um, quite comforting and and enjoyable to, to watch on the small screen. I don't know if that's because everything is just so kind of compact and fit into the screen and the, the the one shots just kind of just really pull you in but i think it really works um on the on the small screen and i didn't really notice any sort of marked difference so i'm, I'm going to give it a five for small screen
3: oh wow Ooh. i'm going to 4.5 here um i think dystopian kind of set films can work really well on on tv on tv sizes but i think one thing I'd, I'd like to see if it would be like a children's world, children men uh, TV series, yeah, uh, like a, like a one, yeah, mm-hmm. mini series, one off. I think that would work really well um, in the kind of like true detective type mm-hmm. style, um, and that doesn't stop the you know the, the feats of uh, you know the the, the long one shots. I mean, sure, the true detective had amazing one shots in there as well, oh yeah, and photography as well. Um, so I think I've never seen it in cinema, but I don't think I'd need to watch it in the cinema. Um, if there was, there's a cinema in London called the Prince Charles, which which shows old films. All right. Yep. And they, you know, they, they kind of pull you in. If this was on the Prince Charles, I don't think I'd go in. But if they if they're doing like an Aponte Quaron um, marathon, then I definitely would sit through all you know the last five of these last five of these films. Looking forward to seeing this in there, but it wouldn't pull me into cinema by itself. Um, so 4.5 engagement score. I reckon, I reckon this one would be quite high. Cool. yeah definitely for me this film
1: starts with literally a bang and immediately you're, you're pulled into it and the, even the detail like to show that it is in the future with sort of these screens over whatever part of london that they sort of pan around past and there's so much information for it oh what's this and why is that and oh, why are, yeah I, I watched this with my fiance, and she was like oh but why are people in cages? Like, it all makes sense. Just mm. give it a chance. So she was intrigued. Mm. And so I got to see her watching it for the first time, which was that relationship is still solid. Is it? Yes. Yeah. Well, I did ask okay. in the film very pointedly, did you like it? She said, yeah, it was a like, good, we can still get married. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she laughed, but I don't know how. She yeah, So uh, she was enthralled and was like, often we'll start a movie together because we're watching one for the podcast or I'm watching one for the podcast and she'll go eh, and then she'll say, I'm going to bed or I'm going to start playing around on my lap. She did not riv- turn away from the screen. So between her experience and mine, I'm giving it 4.9.
0: Ooh, Wayne. Nice one. Um, I cannot fault <laughs> any of the engagement of this. I watched this movie leaning forward in my seat for the whole time um hmm. i have many distractions in my little man cave here and <laughs> i didn't do any of them i just watched the movie so it's getting a perfect vibe for me Why? yeah i can't fault it Helen,
2: um yeah one thing i was i was forgot to say so um there's a bit where clive owen goes to see i can't remember the actor's name the guy who lives in what looks like the battersea D- D- Daddy <laughs>
1: that's
2: it um but it's not he actually drives into the Tate Modern but it looks like he lives in yeah. Battersea Power Station so there's, these- know, so
3: there's That's a so big cool. turbine hall in Tate Modern yeah, yeah.
2: but it, it's got like the towers and this whole Pink Floyd thing going on because he's got the pig and uh, Pink Floyd yeah what was that about
1: it's
3: so cool okay Pink Floyd thank you
2: in in the future Pink Floyd's still cool and you can live inside there which um, but it is
3: cool much, so I don't see why they wouldn't be cool in 15 years <laughs>
2: <laughs> who knows what can happen in like a space of a year you know <laughs> Anything could happen. Um, So there's loads of things like that which um, are really interesting. And you're probably kind of – if you're not paying attention, you're going to miss bits like that. And you do need to pay attention um, to know what's going on because why wouldn't you, Pops? It'd just be pointless watching it. Um, So, yeah, I guess maybe even more – even though it was a a rewatch for me, I was still really engaged, so a five.
3: Yeah, I'm going to go for a five of this as well. I've got a young kid, so my my TV – film viewing is kind of cut him into segments as determined by his uh, being asleep or awake um, and this yeah. is one where you know it kind of got stopped at multiple points but this time was like oh, can you just go to sleep again so I can put <laughs> this back on <laughs> um, and that doesn't always happen uh, so that's going to be a five for me and that gives us an overall score of Ooh, Uh let down slightly by bad. the repeat score which I think is fair but that's, that's higher than I thought it was going to be going into it very nice wow let's head to twitter because we do before we record we go to twitter and put a shout out so the guys do listen to us do follow us on twitter we are at flicks and put out tweets like this um in this case saying we're reviewing children and men hashtag children men with paul and wayne from the countdown pc that's you guys have you seen it give your thoughts and the score out of five for an on-air shout out and we have quite a big response for this paul do you want to take the first one Sure thing. This is from
1: Sam, who's a good mate of ours from the Movie Reviews and 20 Qs podcast. He said, five out of five, easily one of the best films of the past 20 years, beautifully shot, well acted and absolutely outstanding from a technical perspective.
3: Nice. Uh, Helen.
2: Um, So I'll take this one from Lee TB. Superb. When I first saw it 10 years ago, an interesting, cool dystopian sci-fi fantasy utterly terrifying when I rewatched it recently when the opening moments set out a future that looks familiar to me now. Mm -hmm. And then he's gone for uh, four bits of dynamite.
3: A bit bit of dynamite. Um,
1: (laughs) Paul? From Steve, from the Everything I Learned from Movies podcast. He said, five stars. The one take in the SUV is classic, but the entire movie in general is an amazing feat of cinema. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: Yeah, I do love that one take. Um, And the last one, uh, Helen.
2: Yeah, Corey and Kevin talk about – nothing podcast five stars i love this movie the choreographed scene of clive owen starting outside the building and working his way in was amazing strawberry cough got a cough to get off
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, cheers guys thanks for thanks for giving your opinions on twitter um paul wayne can you sign off by telling us where we can find you online and then say goodbye to our listeners Sure thing. You can find us on Twitter
1: at the Countdown PC. As we've just mentioned, we host through podbean.com, so you can like and follow the show there. And you can check out our Australian home, which is ccradio.com.au. Thanks so much for having us on. It's been a real blast to, to share the mic with you both. Thanks, guys. Thank you Thank very much.
2: You for coming on. Bye. Bye. See ya. See ya. Audio tell them Flixwasher sent you You
0: just heard a stripped media production.